Good morning. There's something about this side right here. I don't know if there's like a spirit of fellowship over here, but they weren't compliant in the first service either. I don't know what's going on right there. So if you need a friend, come over here. All right. Well, hey, I'm glad you're here with us today, especially if you're a visitor. My name is Paul Raz. I'm on staff here and uh, getting a wonderful opportunity to speak into a series we've been in on Jonah. It's a nice little book, just four chapters, an easy read all the way through real quick. And um, unfortunately, though, I, I heard Dennis's sermon a couple weeks ago, and then I was here for Jamie's last week. So man, these are some rough talks to follow up. So I'm gonna have to bring my A game. I can tell that because uh, there was some really good stuff there. But one of the things we talk about here at Marymount Community Church is we don't want to be just hearers of the word and not doers of it, okay? In fact, we want to have more of a Hebraic mindset that says, I hear it, now I'm going to learn how to do it. Okay, now I understand it. Not a Greek mindset that just says, I understand it in my head. So with that, who was here last week? Who was here to hear Jamie last week? All right. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you guys a lot of good interaction opportunities today. Somebody tell me, what did you do with his word this week? What, what happened? What did you do? What did you do different? Someone? Read the Bible more. Yeah. Woo, read the Bible more. All right, so the Lord convicted you to read the Bible more, went after it. Love it. What else? What's that? Memorizing scripture, right on. Awesome. And somebody said Solitude. Solitude. Awesome. Yeah, he talked about that. That was really good. Like we, we want to be praying throughout our day, but we want to set a time aside that we can hear from the Father. What, what else? Anybody else? Something else. What's that? Fasted. Awesome. Fasted. What else? Worship. Worship. Awesome. That's great. I love it. See, that's how our hearts will begin to be transformed. Our, we had what we have called I wills in our small group. And sometimes those are individual, but sometimes I think almost as a whole group, we decided to uh, take up Jamie's deal and every 30 minutes or every hour have our, uh, a, a little alarm go off and remind us that Christ is with us. And that was super helpful to me this week. I don't know if in the rest of our small group, I'm, I'm excited to hear about it tomorrow night. We meet on Mondays. They're all right. Yeah, it was, it was cool because no matter what, what you're doing, whether you're just hanging out with friends or as, you know, I was working on this talk or whatever, just when that alarm goes off, I, I recognize and I stop and go, oh yeah, okay. Jesus, you want to interact with me. You want to be a part of what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, Lord, help me, help me to have wisdom for this message. Or, or Lord, thank you for these friends. Or if I'm at the store, God, thank you for your provision. It's just, it's really quite wonderful. And I'm hoping that I can get into enough of a habit of it. I won't need the alarm to go off to remind me to do that. But I really appreciate that, Jamie. You guys really brought it. Hey, let me do a real quick uh, synopsis of where we're at. If you're new to the Bible, the story of Jonah is an amazing story. God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to these pagan people. I want you to tell them about how wonderful I am, but I'm about to destroy them for all their stuff, but I want to set them free. And that was God's heart. And he knew that might happen. He didn't want that to happen. So he ran the opposite direction, did exactly the opposite of what the Lord asked him to do. In fact, so much so he tried to get onto a ship and get further away. Well, he gets on that ship, a storm breaks out. God's trying to get his attention. Long story short, the guys on the ship throw him overboard, and then the storm instantly stops because he admitted to them, I'm the problem. As he's sinking into death, a fish comes by, grabs him. He spends three days in there so he can have his solitude and quiet time for three days and get his heart right, <laughs> okay? And then he gets spit out on the shore, 
And then God comes to him and said, we're going to still do what I asked you to do the first time. I want you to go to Nineveh. And here's where we are, chapter 3. If you got a real Bible, as I call it, open it up to it. If you got your electric Bible, Jonah chapter 3. I just play with that. I just like to make my millennials and my small group mad. That's all. That's all. It's a real Bible, kind of. All right. Chapter 3. You guys are with me? All right, let me read it to you. It's a short, short chapter. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time after he got spit out. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowd, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Verse 6, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his robes, he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways, stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps, even yet, God will change his mind, hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, would you come and just let it envelop us. Lord, give us soft hearts, open eyes, open ears to see what you have for us. Give a greater picture of how tremendous and awesome you are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're just going to take this through now, a couple verses at a time, and just get through it and see what God's got for us, all right? Does that work? All right. Verses 1 through 3. Here's my big takeaway. Don't argue with God. He always gets his way. Am I right? Don't argue with God. He always gets his way. You see, he's very patient with this, but he gets his way. And in this case, I want you to see this. He had as much mercy on Jonah as he did on Nineveh. And the reason was, was he, even though he, even though, uh, he ran away, he let him come back and be a part of his family business. I like to call it that because Jesus says, I don't call you slaves any longer, but I call you my brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the Most High, and you're in on the family business. Well, God is merciful even though Jonah is a bonehead, and he says, I'm going to give you a second chance to come and try this. Well, my wife Julie and I have seen this kind of throughout, is that When God comes to us and begins to speak about some things, or maybe there's even some hard things that he's beginning to try to show you, oftentimes, I don't want to go over that mountain. Am I the only one, right? I I don't want to go over that. That that looks scary to me. I'm not going over that mountain. But you know what? He's so merciful, merciful, he keeps taking you around the mountain. He keeps taking you around it, take you ready to go over it. But here's the thing. You get worn out going around the mountain. You get tired of it. And finally, dang it, I'm going to go over that thing because I'm tired of going around it. It seems like we can't kind of move on. But you see, that's really his mercy. And part of the reason that I say that is this. When I stand before Jesus someday and I have full function of my brain and of my spirit and I'm not in sin and I have a greater picture of who he is and what he has for me, I don't want to stand there before Jesus and see that he had some amazing adventure for me and I missed out on it because I ignored him. Yeah. 
I don't want to stand there and see, oh my goodness, I missed out on that. And all I had to do was say yes to what you were saying to me right there. Wow. Has anybody heard of the evangelist Reinhard Bonnke? Um, He just recently died not too long ago. But German evangelist Reinhard Bonnke in his autobiography claims that the Lord told him that he was his third choice. (laughs) The Lord told him, I had two others before you to do this, but they didn't do it. And so you were my third choice. Well, according to the evangelistic ministry Christ for All the Nations, from 1967 to 2017, get this, y'all, more than 79 million people were led to Christ through Bonky's ministry. (laughs) Right? And his nickname was the Billy Graham of Africa, and he was God's third stringer. See what God will do with a third stringer? See, he's not looking... For people who are awesomely talented and awesomely beautiful, which Reinhardt's not, nor am I. But he's looking for those who are available and those who will say yes. You hear me? Those who will say yes. Do you want to stand before the Lord and see these amazing things and go, wow, all I had to do was say yes? That happened with Saul and David. You remember that? Saul was God's chosen one to be king over Israel. He muffed it big time. But guess what? God still gets his way. So he brought David into it, who'd be available to do what he's having him do. Listen, I told you, I I wasn't lying to you. I'm going to let you have a chance to respond to some of these things. So what I want you to do right now is take out your phone or or paper, whatever journal, whatever you do, because I think the Lord's going to show us some things here this morning. And this is the response I want to talk about. Is there a call on your life that God has been clear about, but you have not responded to it? Is there a call in your life that God's been super clear about, but you haven't responded to it? Whether you've been fearful, you thought, I don't know if I, you know, maybe you think you're not good enough to do that. I don't know what it might be. And if not a calling, at least a clear word that you've not obeyed. See, one of my heroes in this church, especially if you're new at this church. Now, if God shows you that, write it down now. If God shows you that, just begin to write that down. And maybe it's super clear you don't have to because it's been something you've been arguing with God about for a while maybe. Well, one of the heroes in this church, if you're new here, is Dennis, our lead pastor. And, and, And you can see his story and he's told it a number of times. But one of the things for me that I love is that he was in a place in this world that many people would like to be at. And when the Lord called him, come follow me, and come be a pastor, he, he responded immediately to that call. And we are blessed because of that. And Dave and Pam, as that goes out, and those in the city who know Dennis, and so on, and so on, and so on. Those things of this world that seem so appealing will be nothing when he gets before the Lord and the Lord opens Dennis's eyes and he sees, oh, he'll say, thank you, God, that I don't know why I did it, but I stepped in and said yes to what you said. And that's what he's going to be saying there. So I want to encourage you this morning. Let's go for it. Right? And last week, Jamie was kind of joking around about, uh, you know, how everybody gets all excited about the fish. Like there's like a million books on whether it's real or whether it's a fictional story or what kind of fish is it could this possibly be and hey wouldn't the stomach acids blah 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 and whatever you know he's gonna get into it right 
And well, Jesus believed it was a good story, so in a real story, so I'm going to go with Jesus. He's usually the smartest guy in the room, I'm just saying. But anyway, I'm going to believe him. But, uh, but the funny part is there's two other things in there that everybody seems to miss. Like, I don't know about that fish thing. But in this same story, it says when they throw Jonah overboard, instantaneously, what happens? The storm stops. Nobody wants to talk about that. Guess what? That's physics issues too, right? And oh, by the way, didn't Jesus walk on water? Hello? Maybe that was just a fictional story as well. And didn't he multiply out a few fish and bread to feed 10,000 people? Three times? Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. We get caught up in weird stuff. Why the fish? You know what? God, you, can God possibly make it where his stomach acids wouldn't eat him away? Is that possible? God's already breaking his rules in these things, right? We get that? Okay, but here's the thing. Big fish, that's little. That's small fish. That's a minnow. Stopping a storm, ain't no big thing. There's a way bigger miracle in this story. Way bigger. Way bigger. Does anybody see it with me? Take a look at it now. Let's go look at this. You ready? This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day he entered the city, he shouts in, in, in Hebrew five words, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. Here it is. Verse 5, anybody with me? The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Y'all, I've been in ministry for 40 years. I can't get in my small group to figure out if we're going bowling or not. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know if I like bowling. I, I know you don't like bowling, but would you go bowling? I don't know about that. You know? <laughs> Anybody in ministry? Understand? Sheep bite. It's a, anyway, it's very interesting. So, um, that's the miracle, y'all. From the least to the greatest, it says, they repented. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is the miracle right here that I'm looking at. And I, so I have to ask myself, I'm like, how on earth can this happen that everyone's believing and responding so quickly? And I, and I and started to think about a few things. You know, maybe they're just sick of themselves. Did you ever just get to that place where like, I'm so sick of me? I mean, I, I, you know, maybe before you came to Christ or maybe even after, you're just like, man, I am... Oh. I'm just so tired of these things that I do. And blah, blah, blah. so maybe they were just kind of like sick of themselves or maybe, you know, they were, they, it was, there were some outside forces. Some of historical writings say that they were having issues like many of these nations did with plagues and, and natural disasters and so on. So maybe they were seeing that, you know, that was an act of God's hand. And also they might've just been tired of the violence. If you guys were here two weeks ago, Dennis talked about and there were extremely violent people, raping, pillaging, and so on. And maybe they were just tired of their own violence. Uh, we have a, Julie and I have a good friend of ours. We went on a missions trip, a person who was raised here in this church. I don't want to say their name, but he's really involved with Muslims. That's his main ministry. And he shared with us in 2014, he said, do you want to see a move of God's hand? Then go with me to Syria. I don't know if I got that much courage. I'm going to need to hear that from the Lord. But anyway, he said, go with me to Syria. He said, because the people are so tired of the violence there, the Muslim people are so tired of it that they're open and ready for the gospel. And of course, we've seen tremendous revival in Syria, especially 
um, you know, among those who've been ousted and, and so on. And so I think about this story and I think, well, maybe they're just tired of violence. You know, I don't know what causes this to happen. Let me, let me share this story real quick with you. Uh, this is a story out of an online magazine called International Christian Concern Magazine out of Washington, D.C. It says, it's a story about the, uh, one of the refugees in Syria. Like many other Muslim background believers, Kelia had come to church looking for aid. She said, we were given aid in prayers. At first I rejected the prayers, but I, la- I later wondered, how do Christians pray? So I came again with my sister this time to see. Kelia's conversion story is a remarkable one of God's grace. Her family was comprised of shepherds living near Raqqa, her husband, a terrifying man from an extremist area, according to one eyewitness, they only fled when other armed groups seeking to retake Raqqa from ISIS began roaming the countryside. As they watched the groups kidnap women and conscript men, Kelia's family knew they had no choice but to flee. After moving from place to place, they finally made it to Lebanon. Desperate for help, Kelia started attending church and in time would convert to Christianity. Like many female Muslim background believers, her husband responded with physical violence. But later, a serious illness left him on the verge of death. Guess what? Prayers of the church led to his healing as well as to the rest of his family's conversion. Yeah, gospel's not great gospel without power. We've got to have power in the gospel. Their son-in-law, who was studying Islam in Saudi Arabia, came to Lebanon to convict them of this apostasy. Instead, he heard the gospel and came to know Christ. (laughs) Later, Calia would say, When we accepted Jesus, we knew that God had been working for us to meet him. He was talking to us, but we didn't know it. If it were not for the Civil War, they never would have been exposed to the gospel. You see, I think it's maybe even as much this is that God is preparing their hearts. Their hearts were already beginning to be prepared. And that's what God does. He prepares hearts to receive his word. Those of you who are in, in our uh, uh, DMM, which uh, disciple-making movement class, one of the verses we memorize is John six forty four. It's where Jesus declares that no one can come to me Unless the Father who sent me draws him. Do you see? I think these Ninevites were already being drawn. Now, we don't know because there's not a whole lot more historical text on it of if each person became, you know, followed Yahweh, followed the Jewish God. We don't know if, uh, we don't know. But we do know that there's something where God's at work. And I know that for sure when it says the least to the old, the least to the, um, weakest and and to the strongest, fasted and prayed and began to get right with God. So he prepares hearts. Now, you also notice that God's timing always seems to be right. Like when he came along, when Jesus came along to like Matthew and Peter and all that, he was always, hey, come follow me. For whatever reason, man, the timing on it was perfect. In fact, when Jesus comes back to his own town in Capernaum, he's doing his first talk on Saturday at the, you know, uh, you know, at the synagogue and there's a demon possessed guy there that he has an opportunity to set free, you know. So I think if, if it's logical that God's doing the drawing, then we need to be on board with what God's business is. And why I say that is because we talk about, and maybe some of you are even trying to figure out why we do this so much, we talk so much about presence and prayer and worship. It's because that's where the power is, where God will move on our behalf and begin to uh, set people free, put us in the right places. We're praying, y'all, for revival here in Marymount and Madisonville and Madison Place and uh, you know down here and just through Cincinnati. We're just asking God, would you move like this? Hey, how big was that town? Was somebody paying attention? 
three days to walk through it. I'm thinking there's a lot of people in that town. I'm not sure it'd take you that long to walk through Cincinnati. I'm sure it wouldn't, especially if you're one of these flying pig people running that marathon. You get through it quick, right? All right. So uh, anyway, so preparing hearts, that comes from us being diligent, I believe, in prayer and worship. And there's been no great revival in history that's ever taken place that didn't start with prayer, worship. Even new songs tend to come with that. It's, a, it's amazing just to see. I think it's that energy of the, of the kingdom coming over us and coming on us, you know, as he's being invited in and as we're loving him. All right, in these same verses here that I was looking at, verses four and five, I caught another thing that was really amazing to me. And again, thinking of these Ninevites, is God has the capacity in himself to love the most heinous among us. Do you believe that? All right, let me back up one. I'm going to look at you guys right now. I'm going to say every one of you are a murderer. Every one of you. Just like, why would I say that? How can I say that from the word? Somebody give me something from the word that tells that. Yeah, what? You've committed, if you've called your brother fool, you've committed. And if, guess what? If you break one of the top 10, come on. Thank you. You've broken them all. That's what it says according to the word. So be counted as heinous. <laughs> there were a couple of verses we sung here today. There was, there was vile. The most vile among us was one of the words. I noticed that. You're not beyond his love, beyond his grasp of of that kind of a heart that the Father would draw you in no matter how broken you are. Especially you guys from Texas. Do you remember a lady back in the 80s named Carla Faye Tucker? Do you guys remember her? Does anybody remember who she is? She was called, her nickname was the Pickaxe Murderer. And, I, and uh, she, was, she, she, had grown, she had grown up in really tough setting, super tough setting, and her and some of her biker friends all got drunk and high one night, and they decided to go steal a Harley from one of their friends. <laughs> Good friends to have. And they go to try to steal a Harley. And bottom line, the night ends out. She's killed two people with a pickaxe. So ends up in prison on death row. Soon after being in prison, Tucker took a Bible from the prison ministry program and read it in her cell. She later recalled, I didn't know what I was reading, but before I knew it, I was in the middle of the cell floor on my knees. I was just asking God to forgive me. And Tucker became a Christian in October 83, and one of the last interviews she had, she gave glory to Jesus in changing her life. On February 3rd, 1998, she was executed. Some of her last words. I would like to say to all of the family of the victims, I am so sorry. I hope God will give you peace with this. Everybody's been so good to me. I love all of you very much. I'm going to be face-to-face with Jesus now. I love all of you very much. I will see you all when you get there. I will wait for you. As the lethal chemicals were being administered, she was praising Jesus. Amen. Is God's mercy enough for her? Does she deserve to go there? No, neither do you. <laughs> neither do I. But God's heart is so loving. And you know what? Jonah knew it. That's why he ran. He, didn't like, he wanted to judge the Ninevites. I don't like the Ninevites. I want to judge them. They're no good. And dang it, you're going to forgive them, and I know you will, because that's the kind of God you are. Is that the kind of God you have? Or you got the one who just wants to hammer you? Every time you make a mistake, he's ready to hammer you. No, no, that's not the God that we're serving here. Look at the, 
Look at what he does to Jonah in order to reach Nineveh. This next picture, if I was a Jew or even frankly an American in say 1945, what would my emotions be as I see this picture? I mean, allied troops were killed by these guys? These awful reprobates? You know how many Jews were killed by these guys? Are they beyond God's reach? Huh? No, they're not. But what's our heart? How do we respond? How do you respond even now? Right? The fleshiness wants to make them Darth Vader and for Jamie. <laughs> bad, bad guys, right? But God's heart is for them. All right, you ready for a fun twist? The guy Reinhard Bonnke I was mentioning... His dad was a German soldier in World War II. After the war, he became a follower of Jesus, became a pastor, raised his son to be an evangelist, to love Jesus and to love others. Thank God I didn't get to judge these guys <laughs> or his dad as that bad Nazi. But God loved that guy into it and now 79 million people have come into faith because of it. Come on now, open. we got to open up our eyes, right? <laughs> Amen. Okay, y'all, we like to make a little God that fits into how I feel about people and things and politics and this and they're the bad guy and that's not, come on, that's not God's heart. He's going to draw all of us in if we'll respond to him. Now, this is a really, really good opportunity here. Every one of us has people we think are too far from God who are not going to respond. You got that goofy uncle. You got that, that guy next to you who's talking about, who's a womanizer. You got that one who always wants to argue with you because they know you go to church and they're just going to tell you how you're an idiot and it's for the opiate for the masses or whatever. Okay? Here's, here's our new writing. Here's our new thing. We're going to respond to this. Right now, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, would you show each one of us that one person, and I want you to write it down and begin praying for that person. You hearing me now? That person's not beyond God's heart and His grasp. And we won't convince them. We will pray them into it. We're going to ask God to come and show them the love of Christ. In fact, I say this, I, I, that I've experienced in my life in ministry, if a person is... Uh, angry about the gospel and angry about church and angry about God, they're much closer than the one who's just sort of, eh, whatever. You know, I even remember, I remember witnessing to a guy and I'm like, I told him, I told him about heaven, hell, all this other stuff. He goes, yeah, I understand all that. Eh, whatever. I'm, that guy's far. You know, he can be reached. But that one, I want you to write down that one person that in your heart, you're being honest and you're saying that there's no way God can reach this person. And we're going to begin to pray see what God does. I would love it maybe by the end of this month, we may see some people, hey, getting baptized here or whatever, right? Can God do that? Yeah, absolutely, right? But do we really believe it? Will we step into it and participate with him? That's fun. That's the adventure. God wants that person as much as he wants you. 
I love this part in verse 6 and 7. When the king of Nineveh, now somehow the people got the message, but now the king's getting, and then the king's making sure that everybody's paying attention. And so in verse 6, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree through the city. No one, not even animals, herds, flocks, meat, or drink anything at all. I'm going to sit on these couple verses for a second. Here's the first thing. Does the king get to sit on the throne or not? And I don't mean this king. I mean the king. See, notice after he heard this message, something hits his heart and he steps off the throne. See, in this culture, in this pagan culture, and we knew that in Roman culture, many of the kings thought they were... Yes. They carried themselves that way. They believed that. They began to let... People told them that they were that. And somehow this guy got that and he stepped off took off his royal robes. I think there's something really powerful about that. And puts burlap on himself. He humbled himself like that. Listen, here's, here's a good one for you. If I were out here taking notes, I would definitely write this one. If there's any area of our lives where God doesn't have rule and reign, then we've declared, I'm king and God is not in that area. You hear me? there's any area of our lives where God doesn't have rule and reign, where he gets his way, then we've declared, hey, in that area, God, I'm king and you're not. Whether it's our, 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 our sexual ethic, our, the way we work in our workplace, whether we're honest, we're moral with our tongue, the way we treat our families, our spouses. Well, you don't, you don't want to jerk my husband as yeah, he does. <laughs> but can God get his way there? Let, let's let him begin to work in that. See? Can we come on off the throne? Here's your, here's your opportunity to write or go into your tablet or whatever. Is there any area of my life, Lord, where I'm not letting you be king? Write that down. Is there any area, God, in my life where I'm not letting you be the king? We're going to have a chance to work through some of these things here. There's something powerful about once I was blind, but now I see, right? And that's what happens with this king. You know, and what's the stuff with all the burlap and the, all that bit and ashes and ashes on the head and all that. You know what it is? Sometimes we need to make our bodies come in alignment with where our spirit is at. Right? Thinking back to the German soldiers, what's this mean? Yeah, that's why we lift up our hands and worship sometimes. I surrender to you or in prayer. Right? What's this mean right here? I'm receiving. I'm receiving. Yeah, Julie, me and Julie have fun. She always gives me a hard time. But I like, oh, her, her love language is gifts. So when I'm smart enough husband to actually get her a gift, um, she, I like, I'm like, close your eyes. I got this great gift for you. And she's all like, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's not that big, babe. Just <laughs> bring, bring, bring the hands together. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> so that's. 
That's sometimes where, that's sometimes where we'll be in prayer while we put up our hands. Am I, am I expecting to receive from him? Lord, my, my leg hurts. I, am I expecting to receive healing? Lord, would you heal me? What's, what's this? What's this mean? I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm, I'm humbling myself, right? We know this in the world. We do this before kings and queens and popes and so on, right? The president walked in or any one of importance we, we honor, right? How much more the one who has saved our lives, right? I'm telling you, I've been convicted many times where I've been in prayer and I'm sitting in my nice comfy prayer chair and I feel the Lord say, no, you need to be on your knees today. Your body needs to come in line where your heart needs to be. <laughs> I think that's important sometimes. You know, some of you come up and kneel at the altar or lay down. I think that's important. It's saying, God, you're God and I'm not. All right, here's another part that I see in here that's interesting. Is And I'll just get to it quickly because we've got to move on a little bit. Is... The king says, maybe, stop being violent and maybe God will forgive us. Did Jonah say anything about being violent? Jonah doesn't say anything about being violent. But the king knew. Are you ready? This is a truth bomb I've got for you. No matter how much we harden our hearts or ignore it or cover it up, deep down at night when you're laying there in the dark, you know, you know that you know before the living God what your sin is. That king knew. God's coming after us because we've been a violent people. Y'all, Jamie talked about this yesterday at the men's meeting. All the video games in the world, all the reading stuff, all the Netflix watching, none of that is going to cover up that sin that you need to get right with God and that I need to get right with God. We know that we know what our sin is and so did this king. Response is simple, man. Super simple. Confess it. Repent. In fact, we're going to take communion. Just a great opportunity to do that here in just a few minutes. Jamie talked about this yesterday. I, I like this thought. I've always loved this. Is what God's calling us into in that right now is a great exchange. And I do get tired of myself enough to know I want that exchange. And what I mean by that is I get to exchange my brokenness for God's wholeness. I get to exchange my weakness for His strength. I get to exchange my fear for His boldness and peace. That's, all of these things are being offered, y'all. That's the good news. That's why it's called good news. It's not just a paragraph about, whoopee, if I sign the dotted line where Jesus died and rose again, I get to go to heaven. Oh, so much more, y'all. Come enter the adventure with me. <laughs> Come be a third stringer and lead 79 million to Christ. <laughs> is that the call on everybody? I, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe we haven't even begun to step into what God's got for us. I don't know. <laughs> you guys with me? You want to go on the adventure? I do. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I don't want to stand before Jesus and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed out on that. And, and, and Bill got it. <laughs> I'm a little bit competitive now. Marsh talks about that. My friend Tom Marshall, he says, I'm competitive at everything. I can get in that too. I don't want some guy named Steve over here who gets, to, gets this glory that I was going to get to be a part of what God was doing here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? 
whatever of these things is really striking your heart, whether it's the name that you're looking at there or just a place where you know God has called you into something and you're ignoring it or whatever of these things I've laid out, I don't want to guide it too much because I want the Spirit to do it. So we're going to go into communion. We've got prayer teams up here on both sides. If you're new here, we just uh, we have communion at the tables here. I, somebody would be glad to give it to you, but you can get that on your own. Um, come on up, band. And um, I just want to encourage you again. To, let's, let's, let's all, me too, let's be doers of the Word, not just hearers. And I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. Because we have this good God that loved a pagan nation so much that he took Jonah through the ringer just so they could hear and not be destroyed. And he wants us and he wants our neighbors and friends and family who don't know him. And so we're just going to spend some time. If you actually, let's go ahead and just put out your hands to the Lord now. Let me pray for you. Let's put out your hands to the Lord, if you would. Father, I ask for my brothers and sisters right now, a holy conviction, God, not condemnation from the evil one. In fact, I, I say, evil one, you have no place here. You cannot bring confusion here in Jesus' name. But I ask for a holy conviction of where we need to come into alignment with where you are, Lord, and just open our eyes. Lord, maybe we even just need to repent of making you a little small, God. And we need to just see a bigger picture of how beautiful and wonderful you are. Lord, would you do that with us? And for each one, God, as a group here together, but Lord, for each person, would you meet with us? Show us your tremendous love and grace. And God, I say to you, you do have so much grace for us. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that you have grace for a bonehead like me. Lord, where you've had to hit me with a two by four to get me to do things sometimes. And so Lord, I thank you for that. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. The band's just gonna play and uh, just when you feel ready to come up and take communion, then do that. Thank you, Lord, in Christ's name.